The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 6. We've been in a series called Battles, and we've been talking over the last several weeks about the battles of life. Just to kind of catch you up if you're new to the church, which by the way, look at this room this morning. Look how full it is. So you guys know, uh, in the fall, we're going to be looking at adding a third service because this is happening here, and this is also happening in our kids' classrooms. And so we're going to have to look at that, so be prepared. We'll keep talking about that more as we get closer to it. But God's growing our church. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. We're in a series called Battles, and we're talking about the battles of life, and we have, we, we, what we've understood is that we are in a fight, we're in a battle, and we have an enemy, his name is the devil, he really does exist, he hates you, wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, that's the bad news. The good news is, we have an ally in this fight, his name is Jesus, and he hasn't, he doesn't just fight with you, he's already won the war for you, but if you're going to have him fight with you in the battles of life, which we're all in a battle every day, we have to invite him in, because God is a gentleman, he doesn't go where he's not invited, So if you want him in your fights, you have to invite him in. And so the last several weeks, we've been talking about how we invite God into the different battles that we're facing and different battles that maybe we don't even realize that we're facing. And today I want to talk to you about, what I'm going to talk to you about today is is an absolute game changer when it comes to uh, the fights that we're in, the battles that we're in in our life. Now before I get into that, something you need to understand. If you're taking notes this morning, this is in your notes. Prayer is paramount. Say that with me. Prayer is paramount. Prayer is paramount. Now that word paramount means this. It means more important than anything else, supreme. You need to understand something this morning. Uh, If you want to see God work in your life, in the battles of life, prayer is paramount. God does not come into your life if he's not invited in through prayer, and prayer does that. Everything we attain from God is accessed from God through prayer, through us speaking out of our mouth prayers that are in agreement and alignment with God's word because God's word is God's will. Now in Matthew chapter 6, we have Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. They come to him one day and they say, hey, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus does. And he begins to explain to them what prayer looks like and how you pray. And and he actually gives them a model for praying. But before he does that, he makes a statement in verse 8 that's that's pretty amazing. Let me me show you this. Matthew 6 verse 8. Jesus says this. He says, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. And then he gives the model prayer. Our, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so on and so forth. But, but notice what he says before he goes into that model of prayer. He says, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, I'm a father. I've got three kids. I love my kids. And with my kids, something that, that I try to do for them is if I know they have a need, I want to meet them in the area of their need. So let's say that one of my kids comes up to me and they say, I've got a toothache, daddy. My tooth really hurts then they don't need to say, would you please call the dentist? They don't even have to ask that. Once I know they have a need, as a a loving father, I'm going to meet them in the area of need that they have because I love them. I'm going to call the dentist for them because I see that they have a need. Now what's interesting here is in this verse, Jesus says that your father knows your needs and yet you still have to ask him. You still have to pray. You need to pray in this Model, look at it with me again. Your father knows the things you have needed before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, God's a better father than any of us are. He's a much better father than me. In fact, God's a better father than the greatest father who's ever existed. 
God is love. He doesn't just love. He is love. He's perfect love. And and yet we have to ask him. So what's up with that? Like, how is it possible that I'm, I'm not as good of a father as God, and yet if my kids come to me with a need... I'm going to address it in their life or try to help them with it without them even having to ask, why is it that God, we have to ask God? Well, here's why. Second blank in your, in your notes this morning. Prayer is legal. Prayer is legal. Prayer is a legal stipulation that God has established here on earth. When God created this earth and set this earth up and, and, and put it together the way he did, and put man in a position of dominion. He set it up in such a way that if, if God is going to work on man's behalf, he has to be invited. He doesn't go where he's not invited. Think about it. If that was the case, then there would be no need for prayer. God would just see the needs of the world and he'd just take care of them. And we wouldn't have to pray. But we know that's not the case because there's problems in the world. And there's problems because we need to be praying. And we face stuff in, in areas of our life and we don't have God in our life in some of these areas because we're not, we're not praying. So, so prayer is paramount. If you want to see God working in your life, if you want to access His power in your life, then you have to pray because prayer is legal and He's not going to go where He's not invited. And it's a stipulation. And you may have needs, but God's not going to meet you in your area of needs unless you invite Him into the need. So prayer is so important. In your health, in your finances, in your, with salvation, with the battles of life, prayer is is paramount. Philippians 4, 6 says this, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. And so, to help us in this area of prayer, God has given us a secret weapon for the battles of life. A secret weapon to help us to to pray perfect prayers and to pray secret prayers that go beyond our enemy's ability to attack us. And so, this secret weapon that God has given us is the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. Now, I can't tell you everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit this morning. I just simply don't have time. But I do have a great resource for you. If you go to newsongpeople.com slash the rest of the story. Newsongpeople.com slash the rest of the story. I did a six-week series last year called The Rest of the Story that's all about the Holy Spirit. And I go through in great detail and explain the role of the Holy Spirit, how He wants to comfort you and counsel you and strengthen you and guide you and give you power and all these different things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and how you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all those things. If you'll check out that series, it's a great resource for you. I would encourage you this week to spend the next six days listening to one of those messages a day. Sit down, take the time to listen to it, take some notes, get it down inside of you. Even if you were here, if you were at New Song Church when we did this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it again. It's a great refresher in the role the Holy Spirit wants to play in your life. The, the Holy Spirit is a game changer for you. You need to understand what, he, what you have access to through the Holy Spirit. But today I want to talk specifically on the Holy Spirit's role as a secret weapon in your life in the battles against the enemy that you have in your life, all right? So the Holy Spirit is a secret weapon. But understand this, the Holy Spirit is not just a a secret weapon. I don't want you to see him as just a tool or a power or a force because he's more than that. In fact, the Holy Spirit is three things. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. While he, he can function in this role as a secret weapon in your life, that's not just what he is. In the same way that maybe you're watching football and uh, you know there's a, there's a quarterback or there's a running back or there's a kicker or there's a punter and the announcers say, man, that guy is a secret weapon for his team. 
Well, they're not saying that he's actually out there, you know, cutting people's throats and shooting people in the head and killing people. That's not, he, 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 what, what they're saying there is he is, what he does for his team helps his team to win and, and helps, helps them to, to walk in the victory that they want to walk in, helps them defeat the other team. In the same way, the Holy Spirit in your life, he wants to play this role where he helps you in the fights of life. He wants to help you to defend your ground. He wants to help you to walk in the victory that Jesus Christ has laid claim for you to have. So the Holy Spirit is a person and you need to see him that way because if you don't see him that way, you will not have a personal relationship with him. Because we don't have personal relationships with things and forces and powers and weapons unless we're a weirdo. Some of you in here, you have husbands that have guns and you would say, well, he kind of has a relationship with those guns. I don't know. But normally we don't have relationship with stuff. But a person, you need to see him as a person because you can have a personal relationship with a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person or the third, or he's God. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now maybe... Maybe this morning I'm talking about this. I could feel it in the room a little bit. Or a little, oh boy. Is this one of those churches? Yes, it is actually. <laughs> one of those churches that believes in the person and the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we are. But, but, but maybe you're here and you're a little nervous about that. Yeah, 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 it's good. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're a little nervous about it because you're like, yeah, but I've been, I've seen stuff. I've seen some stuff on my Facebook feed that was a little scary people that were kind of doing stuff under what was the influence of the Holy Spirit and I don't want anything to do with that. That, that, that you know looks like that's kind of crazy and I, I'm just you know and if that's you I, I want you to understand something okay hear me out God is not crazy and the Holy Spirit's not crazy people is crazy okay you hear me people can act crazy people will act a fool and this is how I like to explain it any football fans in here this morning? Yeah. All right, I'm a, okay, here it is. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. If you've been coming to New Song Church, you know this. You better watch it. Okay, we're a Dallas Cowboys family. And I can't help it. My dad was a Cowboys fan. I, he has, there's pictures of me in, in baby books. And I'm completely decked out, pacifier, onesie. I have a tattoo. Oh, no, I don't have a tattoo. But I'm, I have all this. I was a Cowboys fan, okay? I couldn't help it. They've been bad to me for 20 years. Sometimes I wish I wasn't a Cowboys fan. But I can't help it. I'm loyal. I got one wife. I got one team. Amen? So I'm a Cowboys fan. And sometimes I like to go to a Cowboys football game. Last year I went to a game. And when I go, you know, you go to a game. You put on the gear, right? You put on a shirt. Maybe wear a hat. Because you can cheer on your team. In fact, me and my dad and, and my son Gus, who was nine at the time, we had three generations of Cowboys fans. It was a powerful, powerful moment. <laughs> but my son Gus, he's nine. He, he, didn't, he wore a full-on Cowboys uniform. It was awesome. In fact, Michael Irvin, the, fa- the famous receiver, he saw my son and waved at him. He was like, little man, what's up? It was awesome. Okay, so anyways, I'm a Cowboys fan. Now, when you go to a game, what you're going to discover is there are people that like to express their fanaticism in different ways. Like me, it's a t-shirt, maybe a hat. But some people, it's, you know, my son, it's putting on a uniform. Some people, it's painting your body, right? Like I brought, I brought some pictures this morning. This is a Cowboys fan here. So he expresses his fanaticism a little bit different than I do. Any Thunder fans in here this morning, Oklahoma City Thunder fans? Yeah, you go to a Thunder fan game, you're going to see this dude. That's his expression. That's how he likes to, to go. Maybe OU fans, any OU fans in here this morning? All right, we got this guy. He's got the little, 
little tattoo. I'm not going to say who that is, Cody Oaks, but that's somebody in our... No, I'm just kidding. That's not Cody. Although, right? That's not... No, okay. Well, maybe. Hashtag goals, right? Or maybe you're an OSU fan. Any OSU fans in here? Like, people do some crazy stuff when they're a fan of a team. Like, look at this guy. I mean, what the heck? Okay, so here's, here's what I'm getting at, right? OSU fans, I'm sorry. I pick on you all the time. It just makes it sweeter when you win, right? Which is never. But here's the thing, okay? We all understand something. We all understand something. That when I go to a Cowboys game, like, I don't show up at the game and all of a sudden, like, I, I come out of a trance and I'm painted blue and I'm going, what just happened to me? Like, that doesn't happen. Just because you go to a game doesn't mean you, you dress up and act crazy. Like, you understand, those people act crazy because they like acting crazy. In the same way, when you see kind of crazy stuff under what is called the influence of the Holy Spirit, listen, that's not God making people act crazy. People are acting crazy because people like to act crazy. You follow me? Some people like to just get attention. They like to draw attention to themselves and they just kind of, they let their flesh take over and they get, they get a little crazy. But that doesn't mean that's God. Listen, God doesn't make you do anything. You understand that, right? It, you know, the Bible says it's the will of God that all would come to repentance. That's the will of God. But you know, there's people that are going to go to hell. You know why? Because they will not align their will with the will of God. God's not going to break your will. You have to submit your will to God. God doesn't make you do anything. This is good stuff. So you got to understand that. God's not going to, you don't have to be scared of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be scared of the helper that Jesus said that was going to give you power and help you to walk in the victory. Who do you think wants to make you afraid of him? The enemy, the devil wants to make you scared so that you don't walk in all of the promises and all the power and all of the, the fellowship and the relationship with God the way you're supposed to. But you don't have to be scared of the Holy Spirit. He's not a force. He's not a power. He's not going to take you over and put you in a trance. He's not going to make you say crazy things. He is God and God's a gentleman. Here's the third thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. In fact, when Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit, talking about this promise that was going to come, and he talked about him being a helper, he said he would be, the word he used was, was a Greek word, parakletos. It means he'd be someone that would walk alongside you and help you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to walk with you in life, and he wants to partner with you, and he wants to speak to you and direct you and lead you into all that God has for you. He's, he's your helper. He's there to help you and, and, and help you walk through life. Okay, so Go, let's go back to the beginning where we talked about prayer is paramount, prayer is legal. Prayer is important, it's essential. We need prayer in our life. It's, it's how we get God to, to work on our behalf. And so the Holy Spirit wants to help you in this area of your prayer life. He wants to help you in, in the battles that, that, that we fight through prayer. And one of the ways he does this, well, actually, let me talk about this. There's two major reasons why we need his help when it comes to prayer. Because we have two gaping issues, two big problems that we all deal with. Number one is this, we don't know it all. Turn the person beside you and say, you don't know it all. Turn the other person to say, I don't know it all either. We don't know it all. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what the future is. You don't know all the plans of God for your life. I didn't know all the plans of God for my life. I knew, I knew, I knew God wanted me to pastor, but I didn't know where for years. I didn't know the name of the church. I didn't know all, I didn't know this stuff. I didn't know. And we don't know. We don't always know everything. So, but here's the thing. God wants us to access some things in our life that are accessed through prayer. But here's the problem. How can you pray and ask God for things if you don't even know what they are? 
You guys follow me? I can't ask God and access things that God has for me, needs that He wants to provide for me, if I don't even know it's a need. This is a problem. We don't know it all. And so we're kept from things God wants to bring to our life because it's all accessed through prayer. But if we don't know to pray for it, how can we have it? We can't. So we, we, we need help in this area. The second area we struggle in when it comes to prayer is that we have an enemy. And you have an enemy who plots against your prayers. He plots against your prayers. He, he's putting up roadblocks. He wants to stop you. He wants to keep you from some of the things that God has for you. And so he, he's going to do everything he can to keep you from all the life that God's called you to walk in. And so these are two big problems. We don't know it all. And we have an enemy. But my friends, what I love about God, God is so cool. God's thought of everything. And in, in the genius of the mind of God, he has given us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. And through the Holy Spirit, you can pray a perfect prayer. You can pray what's called praying in tongues or praying with a prayer language. And through it, you can pray perfect prayers in perfect agreement with the will and the word of God. And it's a mystery to the enemy. He doesn't know what you're doing. And it's a mystery to your mind. You don't even know what you're praying for, but you're praying for future things. You're praying for things God wants to do in your life without even knowing what it is. Let me show you this, okay? Let's talk about the two problems. We don't know it all. God wants to help you to be able to pray and access things he has from you that you don't even know about. Look at this with me. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7 says this. It says, but we speak. Everybody say speak. Speak. We speak the wisdom of God in, look at this, the mystery. Notice we're speak, we we can say it. We can speak the wisdom of God even in the mystery and the things that we don't know. The things that we don't, we don't have the head knowledge of. It goes on to say the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. You know, there's hidden things that we don't know about. There's, understand this, there are some things that God has hidden from you for you. Let me, let me explain that. He's hidden these things from you because if you knew what they were, you might get off track of where he's got you now. But they're hidden for you because they're promises that he wants you to experience. But they're also hidden from the enemy. You know the enemy doesn't know it all, right? He doesn't know all the plans of God. In fact, he goes on to say this. Look at verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. That's talking about the devil and his demons. They don't know everything that God's up to. Look at what it goes on to say. For had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Listen, the devil didn't know what he was doing. When he crucified Jesus, if he would have known what that was going to lead to, he would have never done it. He didn't know that by crucifying Jesus, what he was doing was going to lead to his undoing. A big deal. He didn't know that. Had he known, he would have never done it. So the devil doesn't know it all. But what, what God's saying here is you can know it. And you can pray for it. You can speak the wisdom of God. You can pray for the hidden things. How do you do it? Look at verse 10. Same chapter, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. But God has revealed them, talking about the hidden mysteries, to us through, here it is, His Spirit. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, you can access the hidden things of God. Through the Holy Spirit, you can pray for those things that you don't know about up here, those mysteries that you're not sure about. God can have you praying for things way before you need to know about them. You can pray beyond your own knowledge. Pretty awesome, right? God wants to be able to do that in your life. Look at this, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, also helps us in our weakness. What's our weakness? It says, next verse, for we do do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That's a weakness we all have. We don't always know what to pray for. We go to God in prayer and we don't know. We don't know how to pray for certain things. We don't know how to cover. We don't know what we don't know, right? So we can't pray for things that we don't know, but but we get help. How do we get it? The Spirit Himself 
makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Through the Holy Spirit, you can pray for things. You can pray for the mysteries, the things that you don't even know about. You can pray perfect prayers. Your spirit can pray through you perfect prayers in agreement and alignment with the word and the will of God. Not soulish prayers, not selfish prayers, perfect prayers. Isn't that amazing? You can do that through the Holy Spirit. We don't know it all, but through the Holy Spirit, we can pray and bring the secret things, the secret needs, the future things from God into our life. Here's the second problem, and here's how the Holy Spirit helps us. We have an enemy, but through the Holy Spirit, you can pray beyond your enemy's knowledge. Through the Holy Spirit, you can pray and the enemy has no idea. Satan, the devil who is plotting to stop you, to to steal, kill, and destroy, he has no idea what you're talking about. Understand this, God doesn't always reveal clearly out in the open everything he's up to. And it's for good reason. Uh, If you go to Disney World, there's this section of Disney World called MGM. It's one of the parks where they have a museum. And uh, this museum is called One Man's Dream. And in it... They have all this history of Walt Disney. Talks about, you know, from his beginning to his death, kind of his life story. And it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. It talks about how he had this, this, uh, this, this character he invented called Oswald the Rabbit. That he, he had a partner that stole this character away from him. And so he had to come up with a new character. He came up with this mouse called Mortimer Mouse. And he brought it back to his wife. And his wife was like, that's a terrible name. So he changed it to Mickey Mouse. And, you know, the rest is history. But in this museum, they have all this stuff from his, his life going all the way back to his grade school desk. They have stuff from his office and talk about the different things that he did through the years. And, and then there's this one section where it has these newspapers, these Orlando newspapers. And these newspapers are, are, have these headlines that are talking about who is buying up all this land. And all this land is getting purchased. Thousands and thousands of acres of swampland are being purchased in Orlando. And nobody knows who's doing this. Well, I'll tell you who's doing it. Walt Disney was doing it. And he was buying up the land for Disney World. And he's purchasing all this land. But he's doing it in secret. Why? Because he knew if they knew he was the one purchasing it, then, this, then the price of that land would go through the roof. So he, he created all these dummy companies and, and they would fly into the areas around Orlando and then they would, they would drive in and he would send his men in to kind of do his work under these business names and they're buying up thousands and thousands of acres. They have 27,000 acres of land that they've purchased and there's 3,000 acres they have left to purchase when a newspaper columnist figures out what's going on and publishes it. And here's what's fascinating. Walt Disney paid more for the final 3,000 acres of land than he paid for the previous 27,000 acres. The first acreage of land he purchased for $80 an acre. That shows you how terrible this land was. The last few acres he purchased, he bought them for $80,000 an acre. That's quite an upcharge. Why? Here's what that story tells us. It shows you what can happen if someone who doesn't have your best interest in mind, knows what your plans are. They're going to take advantage of you. Now, now take it a step further. Someone who is your enemy, right? Who, whose job, who's, who desires to steal, kill, and destroy you. Imagine what they're going to do if they know the plans that you may be trying to get accomplished in your life. The kind of, the kind of things that they may try to do. See, that's what the devil does. He's plotting against you. He wants to keep you from that promotion that God has for you. He wants to keep you from that relationship that God has for you. He wants to keep your family from, from some of the blessings that God has for you. So here's what he does. You know what he does? Here's what he does. He listens. He listens to you. See, the devil doesn't, he can't read your mind. He doesn't know what's going on in your head. Not a clue. 
But how he knows what's going on in your head is he listens to your lips. Because the Bible says that you know a man by the fruit of his lips. And so he knows that. He understands it. He, you know, he knows what the Word of God says. And so he listens to what you say. He listens to your fears and your doubts. And he begins to pray on you based on the stuff that's coming out of your mouth. And he also listens to your prayers. And he plots against your prayers. When you begin to pray, he begins to set up things to stop you. Now listen, I'm not saying you cannot pray with knowledge. By no means am I saying that. It's important. If, if you have promises from God, pray those things because your prayers are more powerful than the enemy. And in those battles, you're going to win if you'll, stay, if you'll stay faithful. But understand this. God doesn't want you to have to fight every little battle for every little thing. And so, I love, I love God. He's so cool. So, he created this prayer language for us that we can pray in. And through it, the enemy has no idea what we're praying for. So, he cannot set up traps and things to stop us from the things God wants us to experience because he has no idea what we're praying. In World War II, uh, the, the Americans were fighting the Japanese and at the beginning of the war, we were having a hard time kind of taking land because it seems like every time we would go to take a piece of land, the Japanese were a step ahead of us. They knew what we were doing. And what happened was they were intercepting intel. They were finding out our plans. And because they, many of them were trained in English, they understood what we were doing. And so they would, they would set up and be ready for us. So when we'd go, a lot of times we were getting a lot of damage, bringing a lot of damage to our, our soldiers because they already knew we were coming. So this guy named uh, William Johnston came up with an idea. He said, what if we, we have a secret code language that, that there's no way they could know that we start to use to pass our intel around so we can know what we're doing. And he, he proposed that we would use these, uh, this, this ancient Navajo language that, that a few Navajo Indians would know. And, uh, and we recruit these Navajo Indians and they would come over and they would be our radio operators and help us to kind of push this information out. And the U.S. military said, okay. So they went and they recruited all these Indian, uh, these Indian people to, to help us in, in the army. And they began to use this information to tell our soldiers where to go and pass information around. And as they did this, the war began to change. The tide of the war began to change. The Japanese soldiers no longer knew when we were coming. And so we began to start winning battles. We had less deaths. And you know the story, we end up winning the war. Now, here's what's really interesting. They called those Navajo, sol- those Navajo soldiers that were passing information around, they called them wind talkers. Wind talkers. Now, that reminds me of something. In Acts chapter 2, we have the disciples in an upper room waiting for a promise from Jesus. So Jesus, at this point, has died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. He, he, he's getting ready to ascend. But before he does, he says, listen, I want you to go. I want you to fill this earth. And, and I want you to, to tell people about the gospel. I want you to share with them. Tell them the truth. Let's help set them free. But before you do it, I want you to wait for something. Wait on something. That's his last command. Wait. Wait on the Holy Spirit. And so we find these disciples waiting for this promise from God, this, this helper, this power, this, this person who's going to be with them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of, check this out, a rushing mighty wind. Everybody say wind. wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And watch this, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. A mighty wind filled the room, and they became filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in this new tongue. They became wind talkers. 
filled with the the Spirit of God, the wind of God coming out of them, this perfect language. And what's awesome is now this language, they can begin to start taking the ground God's called for them. They're praying for things they don't even know to pray for and the enemy has no idea what they're up to. He can't stop them. He can't set up traps against them. He can't defeat them, decode them, or destroy them because God has given them this secret amazing language. Isn't this cool? I don't know. I think God's really cool. So, So we have been told through God that prayer is important. Prayer is legal. And and through the grace and the goodness of God, He's given us the ability to speak in this secret code, this secret language, this secret weapon, whereby which we can pray perfect prayers. Prayers that go beyond our own understanding. We can pray perfect prayers that cover the things that need to be covered that we don't even know about. We can pray perfect prayers that, that the enemy has no idea what we're praying about. As I was praying about this message this week, I felt like God told me this. He said, there's some people here, they're going to be here this weekend, and they found themselves, even this week, in a situation where they're going, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to pray. I don't know, I don't know what to do about this situation. I'm, I'm clueless. And I feel like God told me to tell, tell you this. If you don't know what to do in your understanding, then quit praying with your understanding. Start praying beyond your understanding. See, here's what you can do. You can go to God and you can say, Lord, I I submit myself to you. I yield my tongue to you right now. I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm going to pray my prayer language. And God, this situation, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how to cover this. But I know that through this language, through this, I can speak exactly what needs to be said. So God, as, as I yield my tongue to you, I thank you that I'll pray according to your word exactly what needs to be prayed over this situation. And you can cover it perfectly. It's awesome what we can do through the power and the person in the presence of the Holy Spirit. All right, so real quick, I'll go ahead and invite the band to come up right now. Real quick, I want to talk to you about two aspects of, of, of the Holy Spirit when it comes to speaking in tongues, so you can kind of understand how this works. When, when the Bible refers to speaking in tongues, there's two different categories. One is the gift of tongues, and the other is the grace of tongues. The gift of tongues and the grace of tongues. The gift of tongues is always accompanied by an interpretation. Why? Because if it's not then people don't know what it's about. And in, especially within the church, uh, it's important that this is, this is used because if it's not, people are going to be confused. They're not going to understand what's going on. The Bible says this, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 23. He says, if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, in other words, people who don't know about God, people who don't know about Jesus, people who don't know about the church world, it says, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Because <laughs> think about it. If, if people came into our church this morning and we're all just praying in tongues and, and just going for it, they're going to look around and go, what? Because they don't know what we're saying. It's not, that doesn't help people. And that's why I don't do it. That's not why I'm up here just praying in tongues in the service. Because that's not going to help anybody. In the service, we want to... We want to share things that are going to edify and build people up and help people know what God's up to. So that's why we use our our regular voices and we use our regular languages. And and if there is going to be a tongue in a service, it needs to be interpreted so that everybody can understand what God is doing through that. So that's that's the, the gift of tongues. But there's also a grace of tongues. And that's a personal prayer language that anyone who is filled with the Spirit of God can have. And that's what I'm really talking about this morning. That's your secret weapon. It's a, it's, a, it's a prayer language that you can pray where the Spirit of God is praying through you and it, it goes beyond your soul, it goes beyond your mind, your thinking, it goes beyond your selfishness. It moves you into a new realm. 
But understand this, when you pray this way, you're not going to understand it. You're you're not. It's going to go beyond your mind. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 14, same chapter we were just in, verse 2. It says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Notice who it's to. It's a message to God. For no one understands him. Again, that's why we don't just do this. We're not just bellering out tongues in church services. For he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now look at verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That word understanding there is translated mind 21 out of 24 times in the New Testament. So our mind is unfruitful. You're not going to know what you're saying. And that's okay. That's okay because it's not to you, it's to God. But it's you praying exactly what needs to be prayed. Now, so, so let me say it like this. God had me write it down like this. It's God's way. Praying in the Spirit is God's way to get you to pray exactly what needs to be prayed without your mind and the enemy's attacks getting in the way. I'll say that again. That's worth writing down. Praying in the Spirit is God's way of getting you to pray exactly what needs to be prayed without your mind, because your mind can get in the way sometimes, right? Your thoughts, your thinking. We pray selfish prayers. We pray things that aren't always in agreement with God's Word. It's a way to pray without your mind and the enemy's attacks getting in the way. This is an awesome gift. So how, how do we do it? Okay, first of all, you've got to be saved. You've got to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Second thing you need to do is you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There, is a, there are three baptisms that every believer can experience. There's the baptism into Jesus Christ that's done by the Holy Spirit. There's the baptism in water that's done by disciples. And there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit that's done by Jesus. And there's a third baptism where we're immersed in the Holy Spirit. We become filled with the Holy Spirit and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what you have to do. How do you do that? Real simple. You ask and you believe. Real simple. You ask God for the Holy Spirit. Or you ask Jesus for the Holy Spirit because John said he's the one that's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You ask Jesus for the Holy Spirit and you believe that you have received him. The same way you receive salvation, the same way you receive healing, the same way you receive everything from God, you receive the Holy Spirit the same way. It's by grace. It's made available because of Jesus Christ and it's accessed through faith. You ask and you believe. Now, what about... What about praying in a prayer language? Well, once you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, every believer who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit can pray in a prayer language. Every one of you. And and all you have to do, but but understand this, remember, God's not going to make you do anything. See, that's the problem. Sometimes we think, well, you know, now that I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, I haven't felt God take over my tongue yet and start, it doesn't work that way. God's, Holy Spirit's not going to grab your tongue and wiggle it around and make noises because He doesn't do that. You have to you have to yield your tongue. You have to kind of practice this. You have to work. You have to, go, you have to go for it is what you have to do. And so the best way to do this, here's what I say. Here's how you do it. Practice in private. Practice in private. Here in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity today. And man, first service, we had so many people get filled with the Holy Spirit. It was powerful. So awesome. But here in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to be filled with the Spirit today. And here's what you do. After that, you go home this week. And at some point during your quiet time, just you and God, this isn't for everybody, this is between you and God, it's a private thing. You just go to the Lord and you say, God, I thank you that you have filled me with the Holy Spirit and, and now I yield my tongue to you and then you just start to go for it. You, just, you, you try to start praying in the Spirit and you let the Holy Spirit lead you. And you're doing it in private and you may say, well, I don't, I don't understand what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Well, it, it just sounds like gibberish to me. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't sound like some people. Well, that's because you haven't developed in it, you know? Praying in the Spirit is like any language. 
When a baby's first born, they're not real good at talking, are they? But the older they get, the better they get at it. My mom's here this morning. My mom, when she prays in the Spirit, it straight up sounds like another language. Like, it sounds like somebody speaking. It's really, she's good at it. Let's just say it that way. And not everybody, but she's been doing it for a long, long time. And the longer, the more you do this, the better you'll get at it. So you just yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's what, here's what I'm asking you to do this week. Here's my challenge to you. Be bold enough to try. I'm asking you to have the courage to try. Sometime this week, just give it a shot and try. To invite the Holy Spirit to help you to pray these perfect prayers. It's such a blessing. This is an absolute game changer for your life. Absolute game changer. You can pray perfect prayers for your family, for your finances, for your spouse. You can move out of this natural world and play in this, pray in this secret weapon that God has given you. It's incredible. So today, here's what I'd like to do. If you would, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you feel like God is tugging at your heart right now and, you, and this feels like something that you want to experience, you want to, you want to invite the Holy Spirit and be baptized in the Holy Spirit today, if that's you this morning, I want to give you a chance to do that. Now, let me also say this. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not quite ready. You still have some questions. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not trying to be pushy at all. Go home. Listen to those messages this week. And you can do this. You can do this yourself. But, but if you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I want this. I know I need this in my life. And maybe it's the first time. Maybe you're here and you've been filled with the Spirit, but, but you've let it kind of leak out of your life. You know, when the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, uh, the, the verb is a continuous action verb. In, in, in that when it says be filled with the Spirit, it's actually be, be, be being filled with the Spirit is what it's actually saying. You've got to continually be being filled with the Spirit. You know, something I do every day is I pray and I ask the Spirit of God to fill me up. Lord, I need you in my life today. I pray that the, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, would be with me, the helper that Jesus promised would walk with me today and strengthen me and guide me and lead me. I Fill me today, Holy Spirit, with your power and your presence and your love and your wisdom today. I need you. I pray that every day. We've got to continually be filled because we all leak we leak, so we got to continually be filled. So maybe you're here today and you've been filled before, but you, you want to be refilled today. You want to you fill yourself back up again. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, it's just between you and, and God. I want you to just kind of put your hands out in front of you, just kind of like you're, you're receiving some, you know, it's kind of like when you're a kid and, and somebody's putting some logs in your hand to take to a campfire. Just kind of put your hands out in front of you. And I'm going to pray over you. And I want you to receive this, whether you've been filled or... And, and if you've been filled, I want to encourage you, get your hands in front of you. Every one of us need this. Well, let's, get, let's get a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit inside of us today. With your hands in front of you, no one looking around. And just pray this, just, just between you, just quietly pray this with me this morning. Say, Jesus, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I thank you for all these people here today. Lord, I pray that you would download into them your precious, powerful, incredible spirit. The spirit of God would be downloaded into them, would fill them up today with everything that they need, with every bit of power and presence, everything they need. I thank you for the secret weapon of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he's alive and at work within us, guiding us, leading us in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. 
And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.